How many people do you know who struggle with their health? Chances are, whether they show it or not, most of the people in your life do. And chances are, you're one of them. Whether you're dealing with anxiety, depression, endometriosis, acne, eczema, autoimmune, thyroid, Lyme, brain fog, fatigue, or any other symptom or condition, you're far from alone. Living with symptoms has become the new normal. So no more guessing games. It's time to get answers. Welcome to the Medical Medium Podcast. I'm Anthony William. How did the banana become the enemy? How did the banana become one of the most feared foods in the health world? Or better yet, one of the most feared things in the health world? So scary that health professionals, podcast doctors, and just about anyone who feels they know something about health shakes in their boots when holding a bunch of bananas. Or better yet, they get angry at the sight of one. What did the banana do to deserve such a reputation? If you're someone who has been convinced the banana is a very bad food, then you're most likely not going to be happy as you listen to the rest of the show. But hang in there, fasten your seatbelts, because this is going to be quite a ride. Yeah, excuse me? Excuse me? Oh, hey, yes, uh, can I get a banana split? Okay, extra chocolate. Don't put too many bananas on it, please. Um, it will uh, hold the strawberry ice cream. I have, I think I have a strawberry allergy. So keep that out. And, oh, hold the cherries. No, put one cherry on there. Okay. All right, thank you. Okay. Yeah, I, no, I really like this place. I've been here a couple times. Um, I had the banana split, like, last month. It's really good. How was your day yesterday? It was, it was okay? Oh, yeah. I know. Oh, yeah, no, just grab that napkin. Okay. Oh, oh, thank you. Oh, my God, it's so fast. Fantastic. Mmm. This is so good. Mmm. Yeah, this is... Um... Ooh. Yeah, this chocolate is so amazing at this place. I just love the syrup, the chocolate syrup. They say it's real chocolate. Yeah. Um... Ooh, ooh. I just noticed. I... Hey, I, I ate three quarters of that banana already. I don't know if I should have eaten all that banana. Maybe, maybe I should have just held, oh, I don't, I'll just eat the rest of it. Oh God, there goes my weight, there goes my diet. I'll never forget, it was in the late 1980s. I was in a Japanese restaurant in New York City and I ordered a dessert that involved a banana. I asked to just have a plain banana, and they said, well, we're not going to really give you a plain banana, but we can try to put the syrup and the dressing on the side. Maybe that would work. I said, I said that would be great, actually. Right? The menu said it was traditional. It was one of the old-time staples of that restaurant for years in New York. And the waiter brought it, placed it on the table, and he looked at me, and he said, this is very, very good for you. He was impressed and happy that I ordered this dessert. And then he said, not too many people ordered this banana dessert since I've worked here all these years. He said, you can count it on my hands. The banana wasn't shunned in that restaurant. 
It wasn't shunned that day. And it certainly wasn't shunned in the health movement at that time in the 1980s. And it wasn't shunned shortly after that. It took a little time, but it became one of the most feared fruits or foods people can consume. And we're going to go into why. It was the early 2000s. The banana started getting a bad rap. A doctor friend of mine told me about a conference he went to. It was really interesting. I said, what happened? He was all worked up. He said that during the opening of the conference, and there was 500 people there, he said the practitioner that was leading the conference got up on the stage, had a banana in his hand, and threw it as hard as he could against the wall. And the crowd cheered. People were screaming in delight, joy, and happiness. I said, you got to be kidding. That can't be real. He said, no, A.W., it was real. And it confused me, he said to me. He said, I started asking some of the other practitioners in the audience and people that were there, like, why was that so great? And they're like, because bananas are terrible for you. They're all sugar. They're fake. They're GMO. They're not real. They're bad for you. They can hurt you. And they can hurt your body in all kinds of ways. He was so confused. I was like, where did this come from? And how come there's a lot of people partaking in this when he wasn't hearing anything about it yet? So I said, well, this is part of the fruit fear movement that I've been keeping an eye on out there. And this is just a part of it. That's all. But the banana took a bigger hit in the fruit world than other fruits. The apple didn't take a big hit yet. Although the red apple was taking a hit, pretty much people were just saying, oh, go with the green apple, the Granny Smith. No sugar in the apple, non-sweet apple. Don't do any other apple. Forget a Macintosh, forget a Braeburn, forget anything, forget a Gala. Don't do the red delicious. Terrible for you. The worst apple ever. That was happening. That was developing. The fruit fear. But the banana, it was another level of hatred. Something that you just can't imagine from a special fruit, such as the banana. So my doctor friend told me, as time went on, other conferences were happening. He attended many of them, and it was the same thing. One conference, they didn't have a wall to smash the banana against, so then the speaker smashed a banana on the floor. The funny thing is, he said, that... The guy forgot where he smashed it and was walking along all into what he was talking about in his speech, and he slipped on it and went down. And he said the audience wasn't laughing. They were worried about him because he looked like he hurt himself. But my friend was like, you know, it was kind of fitting for the situation. And the reason why it was kind of fitting is because when it comes down to chronic illness and the chronic suffering... The banana is important for the chronically ill, for healing. And here, you got somebody up there smashing it on the floor, disrespecting the banana, and then slipping on it and hurting himself. And that's what my friend was telling me. Now, it was this last conference he told me about that was really interesting. So he attended this conference. There were practitioners from all across the land. 
practitioners from all walks of life all around the world, all gathered. There's a little over 500 people there. And the speaker brought up a bunch of bananas, not just one banana, a bunch. And the speaker took a sledgehammer and smashed the bunch of bananas. And the banana kind of splattered everywhere, all over the place. And the audience went wild. They felt like they were being validated that the banana seemed to have harmed them all. You would think that the banana somehow was this enemy that was harming people. But in this conference, as he was listening to the speakers, he realized it really came to fruition that they didn't know what caused chronic illness. And this is why he was even talking to me, because we had answers. And he said that it dawned on him in the entirety of the whole thing that they didn't know why anybody was sick because chronic illness was rising at this point in the early 2000s. Neurological symptoms were rising. No one had answers. But here they were smashing the banana. And then when you listen to every speaker talk, it was information that kind of just slipped through your fingers and... It wasn't helpful for his patients, really, because his patients were the chronically ill, really sick, and anything they had to offer wasn't really enough for how sick his patients were. And then he realized that most of the practitioners there in the audience, because he was speaking to many of them, weren't working on sick people like he was. They weren't working on people that were bedridden or their body was burning and on fire. Every single joint hurt so bad they couldn't move. They're wasting away, losing all their muscle and atrophying. They had pain everywhere on their body. Their eyes burned, their tongue hurt, their jaw hurt, their neck hurt, vibrations, restless leg insomnia. They're battling severe neurological chronic illness. They had seizures and tremors and shakes and all kinds of different varieties of fatigue. And he was watching the speakers on stage smash the bananas during these conferences, but yet they didn't know why anyone was really sick. They just talked about how eating better will help you. They talked about random things in that area. They talked about adrenal fatigue, which really wasn't what his patients were dealing with. They were really sick. And so, he came to the conclusion that these are health experts and they're there and they're tearing something down they don't understand. And that's when the light bulb really rang in his head because he thought all the other doctors out there and practitioners were battling the same real sick people's illnesses, helping to try to save their lives. And he realized it doesn't really totally work like that out there. And real sick people usually just disappear in the woodwork. They just float away somewhere. They just never get seen anymore or heard. They do their hospital visits and emergency room visits. They eventually just disappear to the wayside and fall away. And these conferences, they weren't talking about the real chronically sick, but yet they were destroying something that the chronically sick needed to really move forward and heal. So why would the banana be so good for somebody who's sick? So let's go into chronic illness for a little bit here. 
if someone's suffering from a lot of mystery symptoms, mystery symptoms like aches and pains, ringing in the ear, vertigo, dizziness, brain fog, that's a mystery all in its own, brain fog, different levels of fatigue where you feel like you have sandbags on your feet, sandbags on your legs, and your body just can't push through. You feel like you're in water and you're swishing around and you can't push through because you got water in the way. You feel swollen, lymphedemas going on, mystery symptoms, aches and pains, migraines, vibrating eyes, burning skin, tongue burning, gums burning, teeth hurting, jaw hurting for no reason. And that's just naming a few, never mind neuropathy and neuralgia, and then psychosis, anxiety, bipolar, severe depression, all mystery, all neurological symptoms. So why would the banana even be remotely helpful for any of that? Because the banana possesses something. It's very important. It possesses an antiviral compound. That's the ticket. That's the winning ticket right there. That's it. Antiviral compound. And bananas contain more than that. They contain antiviral compounds, multiple compounds. That's the winner right there. In the 35 years of getting the information out from SOC, the cause of chronic illness, the viruses, Epstein-Barr, cytomegalovirus, shingles, HHV6, HHV7, HHV9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, undiscovered HHV6s, undiscovered HHVs. And then not just that, different varieties of Epstein-Barr. Herpes simplex 1, herpes simplex 2, different varieties of those viruses, different varieties of shingles, over 60 varieties and growing of the Epstein-Barr virus. 35 years of teaching this, by the early 2000s, still wasn't out there enough yet. So people still didn't know why people were suffering, why patients were struggling with these chronic symptoms. So even though I told thousands and thousands of people and hundreds and hundreds of doctors, the word still wasn't out there enough yet. And that's one part of the problem. People didn't know that viruses were taking people out. That means is, and I don't mean taking them out where dinner and a movie, viruses were making people bedridden, giving them a lot of struggles, even on mild levels, a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of depression, some aches and pains, a little bit of fatigue, and then a bout of Hashimoto's. Even on that level, it was hurting people. But that wasn't known enough. And that's one part of the problem. The other part of the problem is food science. Food science was in its baby stages, infancy, and it still is now today. That's the sad part. And food science back then did not know about antiviral compounds in foods. Food science today doesn't know about antiviral compounds in foods. But food science back then, even worse. Now, I'm not going to insult you here and say the banana is high in potassium, and that's good for you. A bunch of you guys might be like, oh, potassium's bad. No, I'm too high in potassium. I can't have a banana. Or, hey, no, 
potassium's good. I'm kind of low in potassium, my doctor says. Before we even go into the potassium thing, I'm not going to insult you on the basic nutrients inside the banana because that's not where the money's at. The money is in the antiviral compounds, all the undiscovered stuff. That's where the gravy train is for your healing. That's where your immune system benefits and survives through the bashing of these viruses. It's because of these antiviral compounds that food science doesn't know about and science research doesn't care about. It's those antiviral compounds that help people fight the viruses and neither did any of those people in the conferences know this back then, nor do they even still know now. And yeah, millions of copies of medical medium books have gotten out there in the world talking about how viruses create autoimmune, how viruses cause chronic illness, but more than that, in depth, details about how the viruses work, what foods the viruses feed on inside the body, what kind of toxin the viruses release, like the neurotoxins, how does the toxin affect the nerves, how does it affect the brain and the organs, how do the viruses sit dormant inside the liver, how does the liver get stagnant and sluggish because of these pathogenic viruses, and how does someone suffer and why and how it works with their suffering, like what makes a pain and an ache and how come it takes so long for people to heal when they don't have the right tools? All these details, they all matter, including details on the vagus nerves, how they work, how they create symptoms when they're inflamed, what makes the vagus nerves inflamed, what makes the trigeminal nerves inflamed and the facial nerves and the sciatic nerves, and then details on protocols to move people forward who are suffering from all this. Not to mention all the early information about the toxic heavy metals, what they cause, how they involve the brain and nervous system. And it takes more than just knowing the word Epstein-Barr. It takes an understanding of how it reacts in the body, how it's dormant, how it awakens, the different stages it goes through, what symptoms it creates, how it creates and produces a neurotoxin, byproduct and waste, and how it can bring somebody down, and how it could be more than one virus. All these are the details that matter, that make or break somebody's healing and then moving forward. Simply the word Epstein-Barr just isn't enough. Why does this all matter? Because the banana is antiviral. It has an antiviral compound and compounds that actually conflict confrontate, hurt, knock down, diminish the virus, the Epstein-Barr virus, and other viruses too. Those antiviral compounds, they do something. Viruses are allergic to them. Viruses don't like antiviral compounds. And as the popularity of the banana diminished, declined, and declined, the popularity of chocolate rose rose and rose. And how did the value of chocolate rise as far as good for your health, a healthy food, plant medicine, a medicinal food? Through money. All about money and the dollars, the investments, the investors into it because it's an easy hook for someone. It's addictive. No one's going to stop eating chocolate. 
people will eat chocolate till the day they die. And because of that reason, it's an easy sell. So chocolate rose, rose in popularity, and bananas fell in popularity. Down, down, down. No one cares about bananas. They care about chocolate, though. You go into the health food store, you want to grab that chocolate bar, cacao nibs, or whatever it is you want to grab. It's that chocolate high. It's that caffeine high. But here's what goes wrong. As the chocolate got popular because it's medicinal properties, so they say, the immune system weakened in a lot of people because caffeine jacks up the adrenals, causing adrenaline to flood. Flooding adrenaline from caffeine lowers the immune system. Then viruses jump up and move up. This is why chocolate can activate somebody's herpes simplex 1. They're cold sore. Chocolate will actually activate that virus and give somebody a cold sore on their face or on their lip or in their nose. It's chocolate that triggers viruses because of all the caffeine, lowers the immune system, cranks the adrenals up. So chocolate's getting the up, the up and the up and away approval for everybody in health. Bananas going down, down, down. Meanwhile, the banana has the antiviral compounds to defend somebody from their herpes simplex one cold sore. Meanwhile, chocolate sales have gone up, up, up higher than they have ever been in history. Banana sales down, 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 lower than they've ever been in history. Why? Because chocolate gets you high, bananas put people in fear. That's why now. But a head scratcher is chronic illness is going up, 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 up. Banana eating, down, down, down. Chocolate eating, up, 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 up. Chronic illness, up, 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 up with it. Now, if this was close to a perfect world, science and research would get grants for up to $250 million, get a group of scientists together, get some labs going, and find the antiviral compounds in bananas, then isolate them, then maybe offer that to the pharmaceutical community to create something with those compounds that people can take instead of a lot of the junk that they do give out. Sounds like a great idea, doesn't it? I'm in my happy place right now, aren't you? This is an amazing idea. We can do this. No, not. Nope, it's never gonna happen. It's not gonna happen in our lifetime. You can die and come back 10 more times. It's still not gonna happen. If you think science and research is gonna take $250 million Invest that into finding an answer out of a banana. Here, uh, let me help you take those rose-colored glasses off. There we go. I'll put them down right here. How come I don't sound so hopeful? Well, think about this. Millions of people are drinking celery juice right now all around the world. They're healing. It's moving the needle for so many people when something else couldn't or everything they tried couldn't. That's something to think about and millions of people are not only drinking it every single model every single actress almost just about in LA is drinking celery juice it's keeping their acne at bay it's helping them with their fatigue it's helping them with their skin problems their headaches it's helping them with their UTIs and cold sores and hair falling out 
It's keeping all of it under control, of course, while they're doing other trendy things that aren't helping them. And with all this, science and research won't go near the inner workings of celery juice. And what about all the influencers that are drinking celery juice? And then the tens of thousands of healing stories with the celery juice. If this hasn't prompted a full investigation to what's inside celery juice, what will? What will on this planet? Maybe planet Mars might have an investigation before they do it here. Maybe some humanoid or alien that's living underneath the sand in planet, planet Mars comes out of the sand, grabs a celery stick, and starts to analyze it. That would probably be a better shot and a better chance than what we have here right now. Instead, they got a full campaign to crush celery juice, write bad stuff about it, talk bad about it, tell doctors to talk bad about it, get people confused, hide it, get rid of articles that were done by media about celery juice originally during the earlier days, 2018, 2019, and kind of make them disappear. Can't find them anymore. They'll do anything they can to make it like just die out and go away and still teach dietitians to tell people you're better off eating a celery stick. And yet they can't stop people from drinking it. Celery juice has become the dirty secret in the trendy world of health, along with MM too, but it's the dirty secret. People drink it every day and they hush, hush, hush. Let's face it, food science of the day now is novelty. It's fake chivalry. It's fun facts crap. Everything that doesn't matter when it comes down to medicine, like what's the medicinal factor? What's really in there? What's special about this food? What's in there that battles against something that's critically needed like viruses? What medicine exists inside of there? They don't care about that. doesn't matter. That's not their concern because we already know how it works. The system is set up for people to stay sick, get sick, of course, first, stay sick, and then whoop, off they go. Bye. See you later. Come back another time. Come back, if you believe in lifetimes, and coming back around, just come back around, get sick again. That's how it works. Come back around, you get sick again, come back around, you get sick again, come back around, get sick again. That's all they care about. Oh, I forgot. Get sick again, come back around, eat more chocolate. Get sick again, come back around, have more caffeine, and take a bunch of pharmaceuticals and maybe even some recreational drugs. But that's what they want. Everybody wants to live their best life. They want the best for themselves. They want energy. They want vitality. They want freedom. They want empowerment. They want to feel like they can do things. They want tangible things in their hand. And they want spiritual assistance too and guidance out there. The industries, they don't care about any of this. They don't care about your best self. They don't care about your empowerment. They don't care about any of it. They know, the evildoers, know that if you're sick, you lose all that. You start losing it. You don't end up living your best life. You don't become your best self every second because you're battling a lot of chronic illness. You're battling all kinds of different situations and stress and other factors. They know all this. The evildoers want us sick. They want us to stay down. And they want us to feed that machine they created and spend all that money. And it's the evildoers that planted seeds, seeds you don't know about. 
not seeds of goodness, not seeds of beautiful flowers, not seeds of fruits and vegetables and herbs and wild foods and different plants, seeds of evil. And that's what they did. What am I even talking about? Talking about the attack on the banana, just like the seeds of evil that get planted all the time about celery juice. Think about it, it's still there all the time. You think mainstream media would actually even do anything about celery juice and say, whoa, do you see those people get out of bed that were chronically ill? I mean, sick with diseases, terrible symptoms, and they swore by celery juice being that catapult that helped them really move forward. Do you think the media would even care about that? They don't. They don't. But evil plants seeds against the banana. They do it by having moles, spies, people in the health industry. Yeah, professionals, licensed professionals, all kinds of people set the seeds out there that banana is bad, it's all sugar, it'll feed cancer, it'll feed badness, it'll be terrible for you, you'll gain weight, you'll get sick, you'll get a bad liver. It'll even hurt you in other ways too. They'll plant those seeds and they have planted seeds and they planted those seeds, those evil seeds, seeds of darkness in the alternative health communities because that's what they do. You go after that wholesome you go after that alternative nature. You go after the thing that got derailed off the grid. You go after those despicable people that betrayed the conventional wisdom of the pharmaceutical world and conventional ways. You go after them. You go after those fruity tooty spiritual people or those people that care about the earth and care about mother nature. You go after those people who care about other people you go after them because you try to corrupt their system, their alternative movement, their wholesome movement, their organic movement. You set the seeds in there because they're the ones that went off course from the corrupt system. This is how you take control back. You corrupt the other system that's developing, the system of freedom, system of peace. Go after them. You plant the seeds there. And then a movement grows, a movement of fear, a movement that has conferences about alternative medicine. And then some practitioner gets up on the stage and smashes a bunch of bananas on the floor. And then a child is born, grows up, gets a stomach ache, a really bad, bad stomach ache, doesn't know why, feels like a whole bunch of gas is moving around a lot of pain and discomfort, has trouble going to bathroom, tells their mom, their mom gets scared, they go to the emergency room. Emergency room says, we don't really know what's wrong, could be some IBS, go see a doctor. Takes them to a doctor and the doctor says, yeah, we have some problems here, gastrointestinal problems, see a specialist. Let's take them to a specialist specialist says, you got colitis, and it's going to be a problem, ma'am, and your son is going to be suffering. We only have drugs in surgery, so let's try the drugs first. And the sad part is, if the mom figures out an alternative path and enters the alternative industry to try to help her son, she's not going to get a lot of help 
because she's going to come across the evil seed. The evil seed that the banana is an enemy, it's sugar, it's bad for your son. It's not going to help the colitis. When the truth is, people with colitis can heal using bananas. And people with gastroparesis can heal using bananas. People with IBS, Crohn's, celiac can use bananas. It can help people heal. So that mom and that son or that daughter may never find their way. They'll never know that a banana could be part of their healing process because that colitis is caused by the shingles virus, medical medium info, and that shingles virus doesn't like the banana and the banana soothes the intestinal lining and the antiviral compounds kill off that shingles virus and the child can heal over time and get their life back and not be getting unnecessary surgeries and going on dangerous drugs. So how does it work with colitis? How does it work with Crohn's, IBS, celiac, bloating, gas, constipation? Inflammation occurs inside the intestinal tract, narrowing of the intestinal tract, pockets of the intestinal tract, inflammation where it's swelling, where you get pockets in one area, recesses in other areas, and then as food's going through, nerves attached to the intestinal tract lining and colon lining get hypersensitive. So as food goes through, you feel pain and discomfort. If you're eating food that's feeding the very pathogens that are responsible for the inflammation, it can even worsen. So if you're eating gluten and you're eating dairy and eating eggs, corn, maybe even soy, these things can feed the very pathogens that are creating the inflammation, causing the IBS, Crohn's, colitis, celiac, bloating, constipation, digestive problems, diverticulosis, diverticulitis. Bananas are antipathogenic. That means the inflammation created by pathogens like the shingles virus creating colitis or other viruses in the intestinal tract causing problems and bacteria too. You know, pathogens, bacteria, that's a pathogen as well. Well, the antiviral, antipathogenic compounds inside the banana hit those bugs, those microorganisms that are really unproductive and really problematic, the bugs. So when you're eating bananas, you're getting the compounds, antibacterial, antiviral, it's going down in you. But there's other things the banana has. It's massaging to the intestinal tract lining, soothing. It doesn't scrape, it doesn't poke or jab, it rolls. So when you eat a banana, the way it moves through is it rolls on through. Now, if you're somebody that hasn't eaten a meal in a while, maybe you eat really light, maybe you're really hungry one day, if you eat a couple of bananas and lay down on the bed or lay on a couch or on the floor, you'll hear the banana moving through you. It actually rolls through you. It does this gentle massage-like action with the peristaltic action that your intestinal tracts create. So what it does is it helps to move it through, but the banana rolls through. As it's rolling, the antiviral compounds and the starch in the banana, okay, 
grab onto and bind onto. The pulp of the banana binds onto bugs that shouldn't be inside of you. It'll pick up an E. coli. It'll pick up a C. diff. It'll pick up an H. pylori and it will take it out of your intestinal tract. That's just one thing the banana does. And then there's the sugar in banana. Ooh, scary. Scary, scary, scary. The sugar. Meanwhile, do you ever think about it? Blood sugar? If you don't have blood sugar, you die. Did anybody think about that one yet? Blood sugar, meaning glucose. Your brain has to have sugar. Did you know that in five seconds, your brain starts to die if it can't get glucose? Glucose. Glucose, not protein. If protein doesn't get to your brain, your brain doesn't die in five seconds. It's not fat. If fats don't get to your brain in five seconds, your brain dies. No, your brain lives if fat doesn't get to your brain. Your brain lives. It's glucose. That's the one that if it doesn't get to your brain in time, within five seconds and 10 seconds, your brain starts to actually die. It's not like, well, you got to get fat to your brain within those five and 10 seconds. If you don't get fat to your brain, then your brain's going to die. Actually, no, not at all. It's not about fat or protein getting to your brain or other things either too. It's just glucose. If it doesn't get there, your brain starts to die. So we have to get our sugar from somewhere. It has to come from somewhere or your brain dies. So where's it coming from? Because it has to come from somewhere. Well, don't get fooled when you hear fat turns into sugar because it doesn't. If you eat just fat, it doesn't turn into sugar. And that's the case. People who lose fat, because that's another thing too, they'll say, well, when you lose fat and you're exercising and you're dieting and you lose fat, it turns into sugar. Scratching my head on that right there. Because you could be 400 pounds with fat on you, go on a diet, start starving, or withhold food, and that fat will not turn into sugar and your brain will die. And you'll die. You'll starve to death. You can starve to death at 400 pounds. You can starve to death at 600 pounds. If you take away food from somebody so they're not getting glucose to the brain, the fat on their body as it's dissolving will not turn into sugar and enter the brain as sugar. They will die and starve to death. So then you might be saying, well, that's not true because you can eat avocado every day and it's all fat. No. And avocado sugar too. It's a fruit. It's a fatty fruit, but that's only one component. It has sugar in it as well. So it's not like you're eating an avocado and you're only eating fat. So say somebody goes on an avocado diet only where it's avocado every day. They eat a couple of avocados every single day and that's it. And they're like, well, I'm surviving. I'm getting obviously sugar. I'm functioning. I'm living my life. You're thinking you're getting sugar because the fat's converting into sugar. But no, an avocado is a fruit that harbors sugar. So you can actually eat the avocado, get sugar from the avocado, and function. That's why a keto diet of today is not a keto diet of yesterday. The keto diet today is not keto. You don't go into ketosis. You can't go into ketosis if you eat a nut because the nut has sugar in it. Nuts and seeds have sugars in them, so you can't go into ketosis. So the ketosis diet today has cucumber. There's sugar in there in the cucumber. Green apple, sugar in the green apple, a grapefruit. 
sugar in the grapefruit. There's sugar in all of these things. Avocado, there's plenty of sugar in the avocado. There's lemon, sugar in lemon, sugar in limes. The keto diet today has that in there. Oh, berries, I forgot. The ketosis thing, the keto diet now, well, they'll be like, hey, you can do ketosis with your keto diet. Well, just eat these berries. No, you can't go into ketosis and dairy too. There's sugar in dairy. So a lot of keto diets are like, well, you could do cheese, a hard cheese. Well, there's sugar in that hard cheese. So there's no going into ketosis. So there's no such thing as a keto diet anymore. They use the name keto, but it's not a keto diet. This is why carnivore diets, carnivore people who only eat meat and meat only, they had to bring in honey. It changed. The rules changed. The reason why is because if you only do meat, even though there's sugar in meat because it's in the actual blood of the meat, so it's the blood sugar of the animal. So the cow's blood sugar is still in the meat. That's the blood. And then when you cook it, you kind of caramelize that blood sugar a little bit. So you do get a little bit of sweet, but it's not enough to really keep you going if you just do meat only. So the carnivore people, they kind of learned that along the way, that their brains were pretty much dying. They were just walking into walls if they did like only meat only and nothing else. They're just walking into walls and getting very weak. Because of that, they had to bring in honey. Just so you know, the carnivore diet right now, it's all about bringing honey in because they needed that sugar. They needed that glucose. And they're bringing in some cheese now too. That's another one that's pretty funny. The carnivore diet's like the keto diet, but it's like re-engineering. So now they're going backwards. They're heading to the keto diet. So the carnivore diet, not only bringing in honey, but now they're squeezing some lemon. They're doing the medical medium stuff. They're squeezing lemon and water now in the morning to get a little bit of sugar that way. And then they're going to start bringing in some other stuff too along the way. That's how it works. And they're basically just bringing themselves to eventually a keto diet that has more vegetables in it and maybe a few leafy greens at best. They take you there. And now we're just into a keto diet, which you can't go into ketosis anyway because you need sugar to survive. And here's the crazy thing too. If you don't get enough sugar to the brain, you're going to pay the price. You're going to be binging. Carnivore people binge all the time. Keto people binge all the time. Intermittent fasting people binge all the time. Once their caffeine high runs out somewhere at the middle of the day, they end up binging too. They might do intermittent fasting for a while, get by on it, and then boom, it just starts hitting where they're, they're pounding the calories at the end of the day and a lot more of them. But either way, everybody's battling the same thing. They're trying to withhold from food or withhold from sugar of some source, and then they end up binging too, especially when a stressful moment hits. And it's like a boyfriend annoys you, a girlfriend annoys you, a relationship problem, financial problem, anything that can happen in the moment, car breaks down, whatever. Well, the minute the stress starts to kick up, maybe confrontation or a problem with a family member, or a friend, or a business partner, whatever it is, once the stress cranks up, it's boom, we're binging. The reason why is because when the stress cranks up, your brain needs sugar, and it needs a lot of sugar. It needs more. Now it's more sugar it needs. But don't do the banana. Ignore that. Forget the banana. That's just something you don't eat. Just no, that's, a, that's bad. It's all sugar, right? It's all sugar, so stay away from the banana. Meanwhile, when you're under that stress, 
you'll end up eating a pizza. You know how much sugar is in that dough? But what's worse, it's sugar and fat in the pizza. And that's what people do. They end up binging on sugar, carbs, and fat all combined. The sauce on the pizza is all sugar. It's concentrated tomato sauce with sugar added. A lot of tomato sauce, there's sugar added. And the cheese, that's all sugar. But the bad part is it's fat too. So it's sugar and fat, which gives you insulin resistance because sugar doesn't give you insulin resistance. It's fat that gives you insulin resistance. So here we go. We're stuck in a vicious cycle. The stress comes and now we're binging. But what our brain is crying for is healthy fructose, healthy sugar. Just help the brain out. It's asking help, help, help. But we get tricked and we don't know what to feed ourselves. And then you get sick someday and you're at the doctor's office. Maybe a functional medicine doctor specializes in gut health, microbiome. Oh, yeah, microbiome stuff. Yep. It's where everybody's an expert, everybody. Everybody's a gut health expert, microorganism expert. Look, I want people to see their doctors. I want them to get the help they need. Gotta look out though with some things. One is blood draw. How much blood is being drawn all the time when you go to see the doctor. And check out the blood draw podcast episode I did so you can learn how to protect yourself. That's just one thing, right? Getting too much blood drawn weakens the immune system. The other thing is the food sensitivity tests. So all the foods like allergic to this, allergic to that, you get told, well, your markers are showing you're allergic to cilantro, you're allergic to parsley, allergic to some kind of, you know, bee pollen, you're allergic, they'll say anything. You're allergic to this and this and this. Cucumber, you're allergic to banana. Oh, did I say banana? Allergic to that right there. And they'll just keep on going and then you don't know what to eat. So that's another thing too. The last thing they will tell you to eat, no matter what diet protocol they offer, will be banana. I can guarantee, unless you got real lucky, I can guarantee a gut health doctor will never offer a banana. If anything, they might say, make sure you eat your banana green, which is the worst advice I've ever heard ever. They'll be like, eat your banana green. You... Just peel it, it's rock hard, throw it in a blender, just have it green where it's unripe so there's no sugar. Well, that's a nightmare. Great way for constipation. You can't eat unripe fruit. That's a great way to irritate the lining of your intestinal tract because it's just gonna sit in there like a hunk of lead. But that's the advice they give you if they do let you eat a banana. So they'll take a look at your stool look in there and be like, oh, wait a minute, there's some yeast in here, and oh, there's something else in here too, you gotta look out. So we're gonna need a concoction for you. So go on these pills right here, go on these powders, here's some clay, here's some charcoal, here's some whatever, and then now you're irritating your lining because that's not fixing the problem, it's an irritant, and that can happen too. So gut health powders, gut health concoctions can be really rough harsh on the system. It's another thing you have to look out for. And then the prebiotic, prebiotic, not just the probiotics, they're just gonna load you up with, so you'll be leaving with a bunch of probiotics. Like, okay, I got, oh, whoa, four different probiotics here. Uh, probiotic this, probiotic that, bro, blah, 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 blah. And you're just, just walking out of there with all the probiotic. And then they'll even be like, oh, here's a prebiotic formula too. 
as if the prebiotic formulators knew what was a prebiotic and what really works and doesn't. They don't know. They don't know what happens to food when they drop it in your gut. Like, there's no research in science that can determine what happens to food the minute it went into your mouth, down into your stomach, and getting digested. There's no science anywhere that could determine. There's no study, and there's no paper, there's no anything that can actually showcase what happens when food enters your stomach. But they'll make sure they load you up with all these prebiotic formulas and probiotic formulas. Meanwhile, the banana, that's a prebiotic. That's the real thing. And by the way, prebiotics, it's kind of interesting because science research, both alternative and conventional, doesn't believe microorganisms actually eat anything. So they don't believe viruses feed or eat anything. I mean, that's medical medium information that viruses eat food. Bacteria actually gobbles on food and eats food. Microorganisms, by all their rules, don't eat anything. But yet the prebiotic thing is in the works. It's how many contradictions can you have out there? Or did they just pick it up from MM Info for 35 years that bugs actually eat? All these years, I've been saying Streptococcus, which is a bacteria, feeds on gluten when you eat gluten and then grows and proliferates because it's feeding on a food it likes. That was called insane. So people in the health industry said, he's wrong. Streptococcus can't eat something. Bacteria cannot feed on anything. But then it's interesting because the prebiotic salespeople, years, years, many years later, are saying that good bacteria feeds on stuff, actually eats stuff, like a prebiotic. Uh, I'm scratching my head on that. I thought bacteria, it's insane to think bacteria feeds on anything, because I said streptococcus feeds on dairy products and gluten and eggs, and everybody said that's the most wacko thing they've ever heard in the health movement, conventional and alternative. I was actually ridiculed for it 35 years ago. And now all the prebiotic makers at the gut, gut health clinics and at the doctor's office, you know, selling all their prebiotics, it's saying feeds good bacteria. Well, there's no science research that shows the good bacteria actually munching and eating it because they don't have that on a study or anywhere. They've never seen that under a microscope. So where did they find that? Uh, I'm confused because that was MM info for the last 35 years to answer that. Bananas are actually real prebiotics. They feed good bacteria, yes. They kill bad bacteria, yes. They kill bad viruses, yes. They kill things that shouldn't be in there. They feed the good things in us, and that's what the banana does. Phytochemical compounds in bananas have been in there for centuries upon centuries and for thousands of years geared to humans and their digestive process. So let's get out of the sugar talk for a second. Bananas aren't just sugar. That's a misconception all on its own. Protein. Yeah, bananas have protein. Easily absorbable, assimilatable. Boom. You eat a banana, that protein absorbs easily. So that's a viable source of protein right there. What about water, living water? Yeah, doesn't seem like the banana has any water in it, but it does. It really has water in it. it. There's a form of hydration in banana. It's not just all sugar. It's water, pulp, fiber, 
protein. It's got a little bit of fat in it, which is amazing for the people who just like, it's all about fat, all about fat, all about fat. It's got a little bit of fat in there, a little touch of it in there. And then it's got nutrients, right? Minerals, trace minerals. See, bananas grow in sandy soils. Sandy loam soils contain a lot of trace minerals that are alkaline. Bananas have alkalinity in them, built in them. It's an alkaline food. Now, if you go looking, oh, I got to look, I'm going to Google that. I'm going to Google that. Uh, whoa, it doesn't say it's an alkaline food here. Oh, that AW, he's just, he's just, you know, wrong again. Oh, really? Google how to get yourself out of neurological symptoms. You'll be Googling for the rest of your life while you're sick with a billion symptoms because that's already happened to millions of people out there, okay? Google doesn't have the answers for all that. But I'm going to tell you now, the banana contains a lot. Phytochemical compounds, it contains antioxidants, trace minerals. Yes, it's got potassium in it, but that's just one mineral. Potassium's one. There's a dozen minerals, macro minerals, another dozen trace minerals. Then you got, like I said, over a dozen antioxidants, alkaloids, phytochemical compounds. So you have all of this. Plus you got some protein and then you got the glucose and the living water and the pulp and the fiber and I didn't even finish. That's just some of the nutrients in there. So let's talk about potassium for a minute. Potassium is a critical mineral for body functions, body system functions. It's important for the nervous system. It's important for the heart. It's important for the brain, central nervous system. It's important for peristaltic action. It's important for nerves, just nerves in general, vagus nerves, phrenic nerves, sciatic nerve, tibial nerve, any kind of nerve, because all nerves rely on a little bit of potassium. Potassium is a building block for electrolytes. So it's part of the whole electrolyte complex, the very thing your brain needs, electrolytes. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, all part of those building blocks. A lot of people... They're deficient in potassium because they're avoiding bananas. They're avoiding fruit. A lot of fruit is high in potassium in a good way. So they avoid the foods that have the potassium in there. So they don't have that regulator. They don't have those electrolyte regulators. And then their adrenals don't get what they need either. Another thing that's great for adrenals is potassium. Now, I don't believe in running out and getting potassium supplements and going that route. I mean, unless your doctor recommends it, it's something you need to do, and that's the direction you have to go into, then of course, do what your doctor tells you. But what I recommend for people is to just incorporate more foods that have potassium in there if they're low in potassium. Bananas, one of those foods. If you're somebody that you have plenty of potassium, you can still eat bananas too, and that's okay. And then there's people that are too high in potassium. Well, one way to bring that potassium down naturally is to get the fats out of the diet. The reason why they're so high in potassium, their liver is overloaded, it's more than stagnant and sluggish, and their blood fat is too high. So, so much blood fat's happening, they're getting the insulin resistance, so their pancreatic hormones are off, insulin resistance happening, adrenals are off, adrenals are flooding in the system continuously, and then the potassium gets trapped within the fat in the bloodstream 
They go get a blood test. They're really high in potassium. They're confused, but really they just need to lower the fats. And chances are they're eating too many like chips and treats and snacks, lots of packaged food, really salty, high in potassium too because of what the foods are, a lot of snack foods. And they're kind of binging on that periodically and they're high in fat as well. I noticed that the people who are really high in potassium are also eating a lot of chocolate, which keeps the adrenaline running all the time, the caffeine addiction, causing the adrenals to flood, like all that caffeine does that, and all that adrenaline surging. So what I've seen throughout the years, and I've talked to doctors and teaching them, is that their high potassium patients, the ones that don't have a straight out disease of some kind, that's a, a different source of problem, but they're just people with high potassium where they're functioning, they're living their life, they're going to see their doctors. Everything's not perfect with their health. They do have some problems, but they're high in potassium. And I've talked to doctors about that and said, look, try to really monitor what they're eating. Have them do a little food journal. And what you'll find is they're doing a lot of high fat foods, a lot of snacks and treats, a lot of chips, packaged foods, or they're just cranking the chocolate and the caffeine and their adrenals are so out of balance from pumping so much adrenaline from the caffeine highs up and down all day that their potassium staying jacked up. Let's talk about mistakes. What kind of mistakes? Banana mistakes, like eating them at the wrong time, like the wrong way. So what does that mean? Don't eat a banana overripe. If you're into health and you're looking for some advice on bananas and banana eating, you might run across somebody on the internet, it could be anybody, and they seem like they're an expert, and they'll tell you to eat the banana when the skin is brown. Problem is with that, it's fermenting. It's already getting fermented. It's overripe, and chances are it's turning into alcohol. It could even get to that point because fruit, you just can't let it rot and then be like, hey, that's a good time to eat it, you guys. <laughs> hey, you see that rotten tomato, which is a fruit, by the way. See that rotten tomato? Eat it now. It's got a soft spot on it and it's blowing up and it smells. Just eat it now. Or see that banana? It's, the skin's really brown. That's when you eat it. The skin's really brown, and it's so soft you can squish it with your hands really easily. You don't want to eat the banana like that. You see that peach over there with all those rotten spots on it? Yeah, you just, you want to wait. Wait till the whole thing turns brown and then eat it. No, you don't want to do that. It's actually disgusting. See that piece of meat at the grocery store, right, in the meat section? Go ask the butcher there. Hey, um, can you uh, wait? until that meat turns really, really brown, really brown and yucky and starts to ferment, and then I'll come back and buy it. You just don't do that, no matter what. You don't want things that are past gone, and that's what happens when the skin turns brown or black. If the banana skin is black, that's really bad. If the banana skin is brown, it's still pretty darn bad. Okay, brown spots, yeah. A couple little brown spots here and there. You still want it yellow. Little brown spots, not like big brown spots, little ones. That, that's actually perfect. But okay, I'll give you more details. There's different bananas from different farms. They look the same. They look the same variety, right? 
but they're a little different. And a lot of different banana farms grow a different variety and off variety. And that makes things change too. So that means that one banana may be perfectly ripe when it's all yellow, no brown spots yet. Another banana that's not ripe enough, it needs a few brown spots, tiny little speckles. And another banana needs the banana to look a little less yellow and more speckles and brown spots. So there's going to be a difference. Once you become a banana connoisseur and you have them often, you'll notice like, whoa, this one's actually more ripe than that one was. And this one's a little bit more squishy. It gives in a little bit than this one. So there's this pocket you're looking for. The perfect, perfect banana ripeness is not too ripe, not too unripe. It's this medium, it's this middle, right? And you can find it. It's like you got a yellow banana. The stem can still crack a little bit. It's still got some firmness to the outer shell, the outer skin. You get in there, and when you bite it, it's not fuzzing up your mouth too much. Because if your banana's unripe, it fuzzes your tongue a little bit. You feel it like there's something like, it fuzzes your mouth a little, so you have to wait a little longer. But you'll see, either way, green, there even there are some bananas where there's still a little bit of green left on the skin, and you can eat it at that stage, but most of them are really, they're not ripe enough when you have that. And the inside shouldn't be turning all brown. It shouldn't be having too many brown spots everywhere. So look out for that, and it shouldn't be too soft. It needs still to be firm in some way, and that's the perfect place you want to be. What makes me really sad is what I've seen. I've seen a lot of people suffering and struggling throughout the years, and the banana saved their lives. I remember stories just going back 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 25 years ago of children not being able to eat anything. And SOC recommended talk to the doctor and just do bananas and bananas by themselves, mono eating bananas. And I've seen people get their lives back, children get their lives back where they couldn't eat anything, their stomach would be on fire, and then they just did bananas for a long enough time and it pulled them out of the woods brought them into safety, and their Crohn's colitis, their IBS, their mysterious pain in their abdomen, the burning sensations when they ate anything all disappeared. And then eventually bring in celery juice too, they've done. But I've seen the banana do a lot because it's a calorie source for people who can't eat anything, but yet they need the calories and they're suffering and certain foods they're eating is aggravating them so bad that when they go and they do the mono eating of banana, how it could pull them out of that hell they've been through. The sad part is that how many people get stopped from helping themselves because of the rhetoric against the banana, the sabotage against the banana. I've seen people spare themselves from surgeries, radical surgeries where their whole colon would have been removed and I've seen people who have had their colon removed 
go on bananas afterwards when nothing else would help them because they were missing their colon and bananas were one of the only foods to get the nutrients they needed and it was easy on their system. And that's what makes me sad. How many people don't know about it because they were derailed and they just don't know and they couldn't get to that place they needed to go to? What makes me happy is the people in the past that I have seen save themselves by using it as a tool. I've helped a lot of people over the years mono-eat bananas to get themselves out of distress with their digestive systems, push them forward, get them into a place where they healed and lived their life. And so the mono-cleanse, the medical medium mono-cleanse that's in Cleanse to Heal, I talk about all the details about it. I have a banana version in there. And then the celery juice is involved, having the mono cleanse and then doing the celery juice with your banana at the same time or during the course of the day. You can take a look when you see that. But the mono cleanse has already helped so many people around the world. Millions of copies of Cleanse to Heal have been out there already. People have already done the mono cleanse, so many of them. Gastroparesis patients, people with Crohn's colitis, celiac, IBS, bloating, constipation. They tried the mono cleanse, got comfortable with it. It moved them forward. And so many people use it as their mainstay to get them back on track or to continuously use to heal. Mono eating with bananas is a blessing. I've seen a lot of people heal over the years and still are now. And the cool thing, bananas, they're affordable. They're actually affordable. Now, if you have real distress with your intestinal tract and you're really struggling, then maybe don't do so much frozen banana. You know, that's you just try to do them fresh and you do the fresh bananas, the mono eating. But of course you could do frozen, but it's something that you should see. There is a difference between frozen and fresh. Frozen's great. I love making banana ice cream. I can live off of banana ice cream. It's incredible. And I have people that have IBS using banana ice cream. I have people who have Crohn's and colitis using banana ice cream, but you'll see you might be one of those where you like it fresh and it seems to kind of settle in your system without being frozen. And then you might be one of those people where you only can eat it frozen. That's another thing too. So what I'm saying is there's two ways about it. I have people that have digestive problems that can only eat it frozen. That's the only way it feels good and it's easy on their system. And then there's people where the only way it it's really easy, is not frozen. So you just have to find the one that you like the most or a blend of both. I recommend picking up Cleanse the Heal when you can at the library. You can get it for free at the library. Of course, you can find it on Amazon. But I recommend looking into that book and seeing the different options because it's not one size fits all. You may be somebody that may be able to do the bananas in one way. Somebody else may be able to do them a little bit in another way. But take a look. The details are in there. And they're really important. One more thing about the ripeness factor. It really is important to make sure they're not overly ripe, where they're too soft, too squishy, skin's too brown, because that tends to give some people a bellyache because it's fermenting. And fermented foods can give a lot of people who have digestive trouble bad belly aches. But that's normal with all fermented foods. You may be somebody saying, well, that's weird because... I thought fermented foods are good for people with digestive problems. That's unfortunately misinformation. People with real digestive problems, like the real thing, 
fermented foods are just got awful for them and create more and more problems with their digestive tract. And you know, fermented food releases alcohol and gases and causes other trouble. So that stands for all foods that are fermented. All fermented foods, you got to be cautious if you have digestive problems. So you don't want the banana to go ferment it and go like overripe like any food can. It's not just a banana I'm talking about. And then you don't want it underripe because it doesn't tend to, it gets pasty when it's underripe. So the people who recommend out there, certain like podcast doctors or somebody will say, oh, you, do, you want the banana where it's green and hard as a rock and you put it in your blender with this cacao powder and then this stuff I sell and this stuff I sell and this stuff I sell. That's what they usually do. That's a nightmare. If someone has a digestive tr- uh, problem, like a real condition, and they do it that way, I feel so bad for them. They're going to be either crapping their brains out or constipated or in agony and distress or hugging their toilet or up all night, rolling around in bed, or just miserable. Terrible advice out there. Terrible advice. So be careful. You don't want a banana underripe where it's not ripe at all, and you don't want a banana overripe where it's fermented. A great way to eat bananas is in salads. So having bananas in your salads of leafy greens like spinach, spinach and cucumbers, spinach and lettuces, a little bit of kale, maybe some microgreens, maybe some sprouts, and then you chop up your bananas, throw them on top of your salad, squeeze a little lemon on your salad. That's just a great way to have bananas. If you're somebody that likes salads, You are used to eating leafy greens. You're used to eating lettuces. That's just a really cool way to eat them. But don't put fats in those salads. Like don't throw a whole bunch of tuna fish in that salad. Don't throw some salmon in that salad. Don't throw things like that in there. And then put your banana in there. (laughs) You know, you can do avocado with banana, but that's fat and sugar. It's not the best combination, but it's if it's something that you're eating... I'd rather have you eat that than something else that's not good. So you can always do something really tasty and fun, and that's one thing. But bananas and salads, that's a great way to eat bananas on their own just like that. Now, when it comes down to the heavy metal detox smoothie, the medical medium heavy metal detox smoothie that millions of people are doing around the planet right now to get the metals out and do their healing, well, there's bananas in that heavy metal detox smoothie. The reason why is for the glucose factor. That glucose in the banana is a critical needed glucose to transfer and travel nutrients to different areas of the body. So this is why it's critical. Nutrients that are in your heavy metal detox smoothie, like all the things that are in there, those nutrients to get metals out of the body travel through the pathway of using glucose. And that's why the bananas are in the heavy metal detox smoothie. They're there to capture nutrients and bring them places throughout the body. And that's what makes the heavy metal detox smoothie powerful. It's part of it right there. It's actually part of it. You can still do the smoothie without the bananas. If you need to do an option, throw mango or something in there. I talk about that and cleanse the heel. But that's why the bananas are in there to begin with. You always bring me to this place. I know. Yeah. I'm not in the mood for banana split right now. All right, all right. I'll order. I'll order. I just want to make you happy. Um, uh, in, excuse me? 
Can you bring me like a bunch of bananas instead of a banana split? No? You guys only sell banana splits. Okay. Uh, what about a just bunch of bananas? Chocolate sauce? No, hold the chocolate sauce. Hold the peanuts. Hold the ice cream. I would just like a bunch of bananas. Is that okay? You will? Awesome. I actually like this place. When we see the banana of the past sitting in an old tin lunchbox browning by the minute, did we ever ask ourselves, how did the banana really get here on this planet after the earth started cooling down and life spawned? Where did the banana plant come from? Was it God? Was it just the earthly mother and her gift? Was it just something that is born out of rock and clay? Was it a frozen asteroid traveling through time and space that was packed with seeds, flew into our atmosphere and exploded, spreading seeds all over the planet? Was it an alien race delivering the banana down to this earth so there was food for the humans to survive? Did the banana arrive here along with humans, maybe even under God's direction? Was it all of this, some of this? And how old is the banana really? 3,000 years old, 10,000 years old, 100,000 years old, a million years old? And how lucky are we, blessed are we to have access to this mysterious gift.